Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Focused on Forward. I'm very excited to have an opportunity to talk with Angela Knappenberger today. Uh, the reason is, is that she has experienced something that a lot of women have experienced, my wife included. Many women go forward not knowing how to handle this particular topic. And that's the topic of postpartum depression and how that affects when you have a child that doesn't want to sleep as as many parents have and struggling with getting their child on a sleep schedule. And then you compound that with postpartum depression. There's a lot of issues that can result from that, uh, not only for your own personal mental health and happiness, but family mental health and happiness. And it's kind of a big snowball that can take effect. So I'm very curious to talk with Angela today to see how she worked through her issues, how she became focused on forward. And then we're going to get to know why she is known as the Lee Valley Sleep Coach. So I'm very excited to talk with Angela. Angela, thank you for being on Focused on Forward. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, so if when you're ready, take us through your story, please. Uh, tell us what happened. Okay, sure. So my daughter, she's, she's now six, but uh, I can remember those early days like it was yesterday. I mean, they really leave a mark on you, especially when you, you have postpartum depression or, or things just aren't really easy or smooth. Um, so I, I had a, a great uh, pregnancy with her, I had gestational diabetes, but it was controlled and really didn't make for any issues. Uh, labor and delivery was fine. Um, but the trouble kind of started when we got home and I want to say she was, she wouldn't latch, you know, so we had those issues and, and that makes you feel like such a failure as a mom. Cause it's like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do as mom, you know? Um, so we, we did get some help and that, that got better. However, she was still up uh, like two to five times a night and it would take it would take her about an hour to get her back to sleep every time that she woke um, and just wanted me didn't want my husband at all we weren't giving bottles and weren't even giving a pacifier because the whole nipple confusion ordeal you know um, so really it was just she would nurse the whole night and I would just stay awake because I was so afraid of, uh, you know, rolling over or moving in a certain way. And now she got hurt or, you know, um, and I just thought, oh, she's just really hungry when really it was like, well, no, she just doesn't know how to get to sleep on her own. So she needs to suckle on something to get to sleep. Um, so I really fell into a depression. It was, and I, of course, did a lot of research because I'm of that generation where <laughs> uh, Google is like, you know, you go to Google for everything and 
you have like a little tummy ache and you're on WebMD trying to figure out what's going on. And like, oh no, I have this terrible disease. Like, no, you just have indigestion. You're fine. But you know, we do that. <laughs> so I was looking up all these things and how do I get her to sleep? Um, what? And also like, do I have postpartum or is this just uh, growing pains? And I had learned that, that it's, um, you can have depressed, depressive like symptoms for the first two weeks after giving birth. And that is like totally normal. But then when it's beyond that, so now when you're into week three and you're still feeling those things, then it's, it's really a problem. So I could remember being in week three and like, I'm still feeling how I did the prior weeks and even worse. Um, yeah. And I remember saying to my husband, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, but what do you mean? You're doing it. I'm like, I can't. Like, it, it felt like something inside me just kind of broke, you know, just the constant being on call for my daughter and the, the her neediness and helplessness. I just couldn't um, manage it. And I, and I felt like I just kept envisioning myself, like placing her on someone's doorstep, you know, and that was terrifying because like she was I wanted her we had prayed for her here she is you know so why do I want her away um but I think what happens with postpartum depression is that you're so overwhelmed and the brain is just there's so much stress that it's just simply trying to find a way to relieve that stress and it's not necessarily thinking you're not necessarily thinking rationally or in the most loving way, you're just thinking, what can I do to help myself survive? Because we always are, you know, thinking of survival first. So I kept picturing that and I'm like, all right, things could get really bad if I don't do something. Uh, so I made an appointment to see my doctor and they give you a little questionnaire to fill out to see if you do indeed have postpartum depression or not. I had answered yes to just about every question. And I think you had to answer like, you know, seven out of the 10, 10 questions with a yes. I had eight or nine, you know. Um, and I can remember being at the doctor's office and it was so close to our house. And I, I was looking at our house while I was at the doctor's office, <laughs> knowing my daughter was there and I didn't miss her for even a second, you know. And that was like, what new mom? doesn't miss their baby when they're away from them you know so I felt really just really scared and and there's nothing that's that hurts your confidence more as a mother than wanting a child now you have the child and now you know they, they don't latch they don't sleep well you're tired you're overwhelmed you're you know like that <laughs> it was like th this was supposed to be easier because this is what I was supposed I'm supposed to be your mom you know um but yeah so I you know my doctor like diagnosed me right away and then put me on medication um at the time I was already seeing a therapist and she's like see your therapist maybe like once a week instead of once a month for a little bit so I did that um, and thankfully, my therapist uh, had gone through postpartum depression with her first child years and years ago, and um, she could totally relate to everything, gave me lots of 
tips and pointers and um, and a lot of it too with postpartum depression is it's it is a hormonal thing as well it's not always a lack of sleep well essentially lack of sleep does mess up with your mess your hormones mess with your hormones however um, you can have an easy labor delivery, baby latches, everything goes smoothly and you still can have postpartum depression just because it is connected to your, the change in your hormone levels after baby's born. So yeah, so then I uh, went on medication, saw my therapist more, um, reached out for support, um, prayed as much as I, I possibly could at any like any intrusive kind of thought that came in my head, I would just pray about it. Um, and things did, did get better. My mom came and helped with us for a while. Um, and we started giving my daughter uh, formula. I would still nurse her, but she'd get formula just so I could get a little more sleep in the night to help me to, to heal quicker. Um, and things really got better. Um, so like now by this point, we're at like month three or four. So they're better, but they're still not great. So she's still waking two to five times a night. Uh, however, at this point, she's getting back to sleep easier, um, but still takes uh, 45 minutes to an hour just to get to sleep. Naps, it's like, oh, who knows if she'll nap today? Who knows how she'll get down if she sleeps at all, you know? <laughs> but often she would sleep on me and you know, by like three in the afternoon, I'm pretty much touched out like enough, but we still had more nursing sessions to go and cuddles and all that. And so it was very, very challenging. Um, but it wasn't until she turned, I think she was about six months old. And I was like, okay, something has got to give here. Um, and everywhere I, I looked, people were saying, you know, oh, give it time. Your child will, will eventually figure it out. I mean, that whole first year is just they sleep or they don't sleep and you just deal with it because that's motherhood. And that right. just wasn't. Right. Yeah. Right. So you've, you've heard that too. It's a pretty common. Yeah. We were, we were told that we just needed to wait it out and that if yeah. you do, it was a waiting game and that eventually your, your child will figure it out. In the meantime, my, my wife is, you know, I think she was running on fumes for about four months straight, you know, trying to figure out, uh, we were having issues with the feeding schedule as well. We were having issues with sleeping schedule. And then she, there's the, her own feelings of, and you kind of touched on this, if not kind of touched on, you did touch on this, you know, the, the, the feelings of self-defeat, the feelings of, of, you know, uh, she would go to the store and she was like, this is the best time I've ever had because I was by myself. I didn't have anybody needing something from me, wanting something from me. And, you know, and she felt bad about that. Like you also, uh, you know, touched on earlier, if nothing else, maybe if someone's listening, uh, they can see that and see that it's more of a common thing than maybe what they thought. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so for me that like just waiting around, it's like, it just felt like I was in, in the ocean and I'm drowning and someone just says, oh, just wait. And you'll, you'll eventually come up to the surface and you won't drown. It's like, well, no, I need help right now. I can't wait around. If I keep waiting, I'm going to drown, you know? Um, so we looked around at, again, Google came up. <laughs> 
for different like sleep training programs. Um, I asked anyone and everyone I, I came in contact with, you know, how did your kids sleep when, when they were little? How did you, did you do anything to help them sleep? And I mean, the overwhelming response was, oh, that's just the price of motherhood. They sleep or they don't, or have you tried to pacify her? And it's, and we did, and she, she liked it, but she would often spit it out. You know, I think, cause she knew, oh, you're using this to help me get to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> they're you know. incredibly intelligent at that age even though they try not you know you try to discredit them kids are more intelligent at that age than you give them credit for i think absolutely absolutely they are and um it wasn't until i talked to a friend of mine that had a i think she was three at the time uh, her daughter was three and she was like the happiest little kid and i asked her about sleep training and she said oh yeah we sleep trained her you know when she was I don't know, a couple months old. And now she sleeps so well, even now, even though she's three, it's, it's still, you know, it worked then it still works now kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, so it didn't do any damage to her. Cause that was another concern I, I had was, that was my main concern was what are the lasting effects of this? Cause I knew part of sleep training was they have to get to sleep on their own. It wasn't, you can't rock them until they are asleep anymore. So I'm like, oh, there's probably gonna be some crying here, you know. What are the the long-term effects? And seeing that little girl so happy, I'm like, okay, that kind of proves it for me that that this is 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 the the proof is in the pudding that it doesn't really damage them. And uh, I had met with my doctor again um, for like for a follow-up to postpartum depression. And she actually told me about a, a sleep training program. And that it works for her daughter. I'm like, okay, all the signs are pointing to do it, you know. And the thought of continuing for another six months or so, and just kind of floundering—that was, that was like devastating to me. I'm like, there's no way I can keep doing this. So I thought, well, we have to sleep train because. Um, so it was just it was our last option. We had hit rock bottom as far as I, I was concerned, you know, and um, my husband was on board with, with whatever. And I was the one that did all the research and had the more, more uh, convictions and more of these preconceived notions. And he was more like, whatever you decide, I trust you. We'll just do whatever it is you need to do. Um, so we started sleep training her and I was so thankful to have my husband with me when we started the process because that first night, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a challenge, you know. Um, however, she really made progress progress a lot quicker than, than either of us had anticipated, you know, and there, there was some crying, but, um, but I always liken the crying to like a temper tantrum. So like you have a two-year-old that's crying in the store because they want that candy bar and mom says no. It's like, well, they're not in pain. They're, it's not like they're crying because they don't have enough food or any of these very drastic, terrible things. They just aren't getting what they want, you know? So they're frustrated, they're mad and they're crying is in a way, it's, it is trying to get mom to change her mind. 
And I felt like with sleep training, my daughter, she was seven months when we did it. Um, I felt like that's the same, that's what's happening here. And I try to tell that to my clients that, you know, like what happens with that child in the grocery store when you don't get them the candy bar, you know, the next time you go to, they go to the grocery store, they might cry and fuss about it, but then you hold your ground and they're like, well, crying's not going to get me what I want. So I won't cry. Like, I guess I just won't get the candy bar, you know? Right. And that happens with sleep training too. I mean, and that's human nature. You're only going to fight something for so long until you just realize it's a lost cause. <laughs> right. So if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in here just real quick and yeah. ex- explain to the listeners what sleep training is and how, you know, what you use as far as for your own family, what was the process and how did, how did that work? Yes. Uh, it's, well, there's a couple different methods. However, I don't want to go into the methods a hundred percent. Um, that just can be dangerous because then the listeners will try it on their own, but then without having a coach to kind of guide them. Understood. Cliff notes versions are absolutely fine. Okay. You understand. Um, so basically with the process, we were with her in her room, almost, especially in the beginning for almost the whole time, you know, so we're not, we're not rocking her to sleep, but she's, she's in her crib. She's settling to sleep. We're comforting her, letting her know she's there, kind of giving her some confidence and strength and she gets to sleep on her own. Um, And whatever we do at bedtime, whatever we did at bedtime, we did at nap time. There are some programs where they, they recommend, you know, baby sleeps in this room for bed and that room for nap. This was different. She was in the same place for all sleeps. Um, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) There's something else. Um, But yes, we're with her. We were with her as she's settling to sleep. And and it was amazing to see how she got to sleep on her own. You know, because I'm thinking like she's seven months old. She doesn't know what, how to get to sleep on her own. She's, we've rocked her to sleep or nursed her to sleep for every every sleep she's ever had, you know? Um, but she, we saw some skills develop. So it's, it's just so interesting. She would like shake her head back and forth. And eventually she found, found it to be so comforting to have her head like in the corner of the crib. So her head was like right up against one of the rungs. And then if every time she'd wake up, there'd be this big indent on her head, <laughs> you know, and that, that had continued into toddlerhood where okay if we're getting family pictures it can't be after nap because it's got this big mark here you know gotta give that time to go away sure (laughs) yeah exactly so uh you know and that was part of one of her methods to kind of help herself get to sleep so um and now she's six and i'm not sure uh, I don't think any have really lingered, but they did until I'd say four or five for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's kind of the process and how it works for us. Okay. Excellent. So let's, let's go back to, to you and the, the issue of, of dealing with the depression and working through this. Now, how did getting her on a sleep schedule help you with your postpartum depression? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, it really helped because it took it took away such a deep level of stress, you know, that because it, whether she slept well for her nap or didn't sleep well for her nap, nap, well, that dictated how the night was going to be. So those days that she took two or three naps, but each one was only like 20 minutes long, I knew we were in for a rough night of a lot of wake ups and taking a while to settle. And, uh, you know, you, I spent more of my day getting her to sleep than I did anything else. Uh, so then once she was on a good sleep schedule and she was getting to sleep on her own, my job got, I mean, a million times easier because now I didn't have to rock her to sleep or like, you know, have that anxiety of like, oh, I hope she sleeps well, because if she doesn't, then she's not going to eat well, and then she won't sleep well later. And because sleep does inherently affect eating, you know. Um, so, so yeah, it just really helped having that almost a guarantee, I guess, that like, something like I could bank on like that 10am nap, it's going to go well, and then the 1pm nap, Bedtime's going to go well to wake. Actually, at this point at seven months, she didn't wake at all through the night. So it's basically 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. She was sleeping, you know, so I think another way it helped was because was um, now I had time and energy to devote to myself because the first seven months, last seven months was all my daughter, you know, I had any, there'd be days where it's like, when was the last time I even showered, you know, <laughs> and it's a, it's a little embarrassing, but you do get so engulfed in new motherhood that you really don't think about yourself anymore. Well, no, um, you're just going through the motions to, to carry out these tasks. This has to yes. be done and that has to be done. And so you go through Correct. the motions of getting these things done. And I think sometimes uh, the you portion of it kind of gets back burnered to make sure that these other things are handled. Absolutely. Yep. And you, you don't even, um, the weird thing is, is that you don't even feel like guilty or like, oh, I should have been doing this or that. You're just like, nope, that's what I had to do for my kid. And, and then often the reverse can happen. Now that you are showering regularly again, you're like, oh, I should or going to the gym oh, I should devote more time to my kid. And it's like, no, 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 you need that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, having that time. I, and then simply, I was just happier and in a better mood. So then my relationship with my husband was better. I mean, when she wasn't sleeping, the second he would, uh, he would come home from work, I was already mad at him. And he... <laughs> And that was the first time I was seeing him for the day. He literally that, didn't do anything. <laughs> I know that feeling well. <laughs> yeah. And, and I knew like, okay, there's no logical reason for me to be mad at him, but you just, you're so tired and you're just looking for someone to blame, I guess. And so he and I would fight all the time over just anything. I mean, I'd say it's windy. He'd say, no, it wasn't. Now we're mad at each other, not talking for days over that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, uh, I think that there was times when that would happen when I would come home and I, and I felt like I said, hello, wrong. 
(laughs) So I I can sympathize with your husband. Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah. So then we were um, able to have like a normal, healthy relationship again. (laughs) So when, when this was all kicking in for you and you were, you were getting her onto the sleep schedule and you started having time for you, what were some of the things that you did for self-care for taking care of yourself and and getting yourself back around to feeling like you were now again Angela not just not just a mom and that other understanding I mean that in the nicest way possible oh yes I understand yeah um it's a great question well um exercise was a big thing I had a like an elliptical kind of thing in the living room and I would go on that for like 20 minutes every night um yeah, so I got back to my pre-baby weight when she was nine months old. I wanted to get there at six months, but I'm like, that's fine, you know. Um, so that was great to do. And just watching, like binging different TV shows. And I can't remember what which ones anymore, but my husband and I, we would watch, uh, like with because of Netflix now, it's like, the whole entire series is on here. So we watch through different shows, like Frasier, whatever. Um, So there's that. I was reading different books and uh, just like, you know, taking baths. I don't know. It was just, and sometimes it was nice just to sit and not really do anything, you know? (laughs) Understood. Sure. Okay. So when, when did you get to a point where you decided that it was time for you to move forward with everything where you had, okay, so she's not sleeping. I have to, you said you had hit rock bottom, but even at that, there's a point going through the process of trying to bounce back up where you realize that you have to move forward in your life. What, what was that for you and how did you move forward? Yes. Um, really, it was when she was around six months old and I had started to really resent her, you know, it was more than just like, Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I wish she was older. So she'd sleep better. Oh, I wish um, my husband and I would get along better. It was just like, I just had so much resentment. Like why do you child keep doing this and keep getting in the way of what I want for my life. And I'm like, this is not good. You know, I don't, because I know that resentment is only going to build as she gets older. And uh, what were, what would have been the chances of she and I having a good relationship as she would get older and that resentment builds, you know? Uh, And I wasn't willing to, to do that. Cause I think, I think with anything in life, if you're going to do it, if it's something worth your time, then it's worth doing right. So if you're just going to, you know, kind of leave it, I don't know the word. <laughs> if you're not going to make it the best that it can be, then just don't bother. That's that's my personal belief. Um, so yeah, that, that really scared me that I had such resentment for her. And um, I wouldn't say hatred, but it was pretty close to that. <laughs> Understood. And I think, yeah, that's, that's a valid feeling though, at that, at that time and that stage and what you're dealing with. Sure. Right. And then I felt embarrassed by it and then guilty because I'm like, well, she's just a baby. She's just doing 
what she knows to do. She's, she's not purposely doing these things to make my life a nightmare. She, <laughs> she really doesn't know any better. Um, so I just felt like this, this isn't good. I need to take control and, you know, make a better now for us and a better future for us. Okay. Is that when you started transitioning into becoming a sleep coach or, or how did that happen? No, that was a little bit later. I want to say she was about nine or 10 months old. Um, and I was, was thinking, you know, she's going to be at some point here in the near future, she's going to be transitioning from two naps to one nap. I'm like, all right, well, how do I do that? You know? Um, and I was, since I had done the sleep training program, it, it helped me to be more regimented and gave me more like forethought with, with parenting. So I was never one that just, uh, especially after I never wanted to just fly by the seat of my pants kind of thing. <laughs> so I went on the website where I originally, um, got the program and looked to see if they had any blogs or anything about how do you make this transition from two naps to one? I got some information I was looking for and then, um, I, I had signed up. Yeah, I had signed up to be on their newsletter list or something like that. And I got an email with the information, but it also said, oh, do you want to be a sleep consultant? And I'm like, oh. And uh, before my daughter was born, I was a, a manager at a senior center. And I liked it, but it wasn't incredibly fulfilling for me. Um, I knew whatever I did, I wanted to be more or less like yeah a manager or a boss something like that because I do have leadership skills and I take charge with things uh, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to to do um, once she was in school and you know didn't need my help so much throughout the day or my caretaking so I had you know really thought about it and I'm like that could really work for me because well I already know this program works so I'd be helping parents in such a unique, powerful way. And I'm such a good example for them. Um, and I felt like the more I thought about it and the more people I, I chatted, because again, I chatted to everyone I could about it, especially other women that already went through the program and had their own sleep consulting business. And um, it just felt like this was, was the right thing. Um, However, I was really scared to take the leap because it was, it was a risk. It was an expensive endeavor for one. For two, there was no guarantee that you're going to come out of it and you're going to get clients and you're going to make a living and you're going to be good at it even, you know. Um, sure, it's so, the unknown. Yes, the unknown. Yes. So I, I gave it a lot of prayer and um and chatted with people. And, and it wasn't until I heard uh, uh, someone say that quote from Wayne Gretzky, uh, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. And that was like, yep, that does it. I can't, <laughs> I, I cannot live a life where I look back and say, well, what if, um, so I'm like, I have to do it for better or for worse. I'm doing it. And, um, and now I have that quote on the wall in my office because <laughs> it's like, yes, 
um, it just really helped put it in perspective. So, so yeah, that was it. And it's, it's been a good fit for me really, because my background is in teaching. Um, and I did teach for a little bit, but it, it became so defeating for me because as a teacher, it feels like you can never win, you know, like <laughs> the kids don't do well, you're getting calls from their parents and it's like, well, they're not doing well because they're not studying like I've been telling them, you know, and, but somehow it's still your fault as the teacher. And it's just, it, it always felt to me like a losing battle. I don't know. So I think it just really wasn't the best fit for me to be a teacher. Um, however, with sleep coaching, sleep consulting, there's still a great deal of teaching involved in it, which I love, but it feels like you can actually get the results you want, get the impact, make the impact that you want. Um, there's not as much, nearly as much red tape as there is with classroom teaching. Um, I think that's largely because it's it's one-on-one -on -one and you're kind of no one's really governing you. It's just you're telling them what to do and imparting your knowledge and wisdom onto them. Um, so yeah, I found that really freeing and just, I can make it my own thing. And that's, I just love that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how that all happened. <laughs> Excellent, okay. So how long now have you been doing the sleep coaching and and, you know, tell us a little bit about your business, I guess, if you will. Okay, sure. So I, I graduated from the, we got this, went through the certification program. I graduated in 2017 um, and I'm still at it. There have been a lot of changes in my life since then. We, there's been changes in jobs with my husband. We've moved actually two or three times since then. I can't remember lots of different changes. So I, um, I feel like, I mean, I've always stuck in with it, but it hasn't been as, as much of a, you know, five hour, 10 hour a day, putting all my heart and soul into it kind of thing as I wanted it to be just because I had other responsibilities. And, but now my daughter's in kindergarten, things have really settled and I'm, I'm able to put much more time and effort into it. So so yeah, and I just rebranded. So I was, before I was Nappenberger Sleep Consulting, uh, but I've been working with a business coach and she said, do make it Lehigh Valley because people are going to search for you and no one knows how to spell your last name. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That'd be like, you know, me just saying this, the Bicycle Podcast, nobody could spell my last name. So I understand. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, rebranded and yeah so my business it's I do work with newborns all the way up to about eight-year-olds however it seems like most of the clients I get are the babies are around six to 11 months old that's kind of the sweet spot it seems um, a lot of times with newborns mom and dad are like well they're they're little yet let's just see what happens you know um, and then after that three month mark, then things get a little hairy. And then by six to 11 months, they're like, you know, we've been waiting for a while for this kid to get to sleep. 
things haven't changed. It's getting more challenging and we're, we're just so tired. We, we want help. Um, but of course you do have the ones that they just think, okay, no, I know baby's nine months old, but they'll figure it out. Um, but usually kids that don't sleep well before that first year, they become toddlers that don't sleep well and preschoolers and, and uh, grade students that don't sleep well and it can follow them all the way to adulthood. So, so there really is um, wisdom in, in kind of getting them to sleep as, as quickly as you can, as, you know, as early in their life as you can. Um, and then also toddlers, I work with, with them and uh <laughs> It's funny because the toddler parents are usually like, we will do whatever you ask us to do <laughs> more so than the other ages. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause now you have these three little, these three, uh, two, three-year-old little assassins running around your house, holding you hostage. So yes, you will do whatever it takes to get them to go down. Yes, exactly. Cause with a, a baby, okay. It might take you an hour to, to get them to sleep and your arm gets tired from rocking them. But with a toddler, it's like, yeah, hostage situation. You're absolutely right. It's like, oh my gosh, they're threatening my life here. Let's stop this. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But there's a can be a little more motivation <laughs> with toddlers. Um, but yeah, the the program it just it really works, and it's it's very it's based in science. So everything we do is. Uh, you know, like a sleep schedule. I, I wouldn't have a newborn go down for sleep after being awake for three hours. You know, that would be too long. So the, all the science, all the research says they can only really handle about 45 to 60 minutes of wake time. You know, so we that would, of course, uh, influences that schedule and how I would help that, that parent. Um, and a lot of the work too is, is behavioral. Like I was saying with the child crying in the grocery store for the candy bar, you know, that we see the same things. I see the same things at bedtime with toddlers. Uh, it's time for bed and all of a sudden they're thirsty or they're hungry or they want to play that game that they just got for Christmas or what, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. And, uh, and it's hard not to give in to those things, but then when you give in to them, then it sets that precedent that it's bedtime, but it's not if you don't want it to be. <laughs> and uh, oftentimes parents say they need help with how do I be more firm? How do I you know, set those limits and then stick to them? And certainly it's hard when you're the one involved because you you're too involved to kind of know how to fix it. So, so I can come in and just be that partial objective person and, and help them out from there. So. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. So Angela, I have two questions for you that I ask every guest who's been on this show. Okay. All right. So, so here we go. They're pretty similar in nature. The first one is looking back over the entirety of your experience. What's the single greatest lesson that you have learned? Oh, wow. That's a good, good question. Um, single greatest lesson. Hmm. Yeah, the single greatest lesson would be if you 
if you look back on your life and you think, oh, I should have done that, you know, that's, that's not what you want, I guess is what I'm saying. So what Wayne Gretzky said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So if it's something that you feel in your bones, you have to do, then you do it, you know, um, cause we like to say how, I mean, life is long, but it's also short at the same time that you only get one life. So you have to do whatever you can to make the most of it. So you never, you don't really have a second chance on this earth. So, so that would be it. Take the, take whatever the, sh whatever shot comes your way that you can't live with not taking. Perfect. Okay. Second question, very similar in nature. Looking back over the entirety of your experience, what's the single great, greatest piece of advice that you have been given? Oh, geez. That's a good one too. Uh, can I give the same answer? No. <laughs> only you can give the same answer only if you say that it's Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky. How, oh my gosh. That is what my quote, my. I had the same what? picture at, at my office at my shop. It's the, the picture right. of Michael Scott sitting there with the Wayne Gretzky quote over him that says Michael Scott as well. That's what mine is. <laughs> Your listeners won't be able to see, but yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. Um, yeah, that would that would probably be the best advice. Now, the best advice that I got as a parent, could I go that route? Sure. It doesn't matter for what. It's just the best advice that you were personally given. Okay. Um, that would probably be when I met with my doctor and she, she had diagnosed me with postpartum and she had said, have you been sleeping? And I said a little, and she's like, I can tell you haven't really been sleeping. And she said, you need sleep too. And I, I guess it's so simple and it's so for folks that, that haven't, that aren't parents, they're like, well, yeah, of course you need sleep. But <laughs> for a new mom who, like you said, you're just going through the, the motions and you're, you're just doing this to check it off your list and that and that you do, you tend to think, no, I'll be fine without sleep. Um, and I had thought of those first couple weeks as like uh, this all nighter, like I used to pull in college, you know, but it's not because an all nighter in college, you do, you don't sleep that whole night, but then you sleep most of the next day. Like you, you make it up, but that's not parenthood, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you need sleep too. That would be it. All right. Excellent. Those are, that's a good piece of advice as well. And Michael Scott could requote that. We'll give him permission. Yes. All right. Uh, so Angela, if my listeners and my followers are interested in finding out more about you, what you do, uh, what's a good way for them to be able to contact you or find out more about you? Yes. Yeah, so I have my own website. It's lehighvalleysleepcoach.com. I have a Facebook group. I'm I go live in there every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 Eastern Standard Time. And for this whole month, uh, January 2022, I'm talking newborn sleep. So all these things connected to newborn sleep. Um, 
And the following month, I'm kind of toying with the idea of doing like, you know, then like four to to six months or, you know, keep going up each month. Uh, but I'm, I'm in there talking about uh, naps. Like, how do you get your child down for a nap? Um, how do you dress your newborn so they sleep well and they're not too hot, not too cold? Do you use a swaddle? What kind of swaddle? <laughs> um, I get those a lot. You know, what's a good schedule for your child? Uh, what do you do for that child that they just they need to be rocked and nursed and driven in a car and all these things to get to sleep. How do you get them to sleep just on their own without so much help, et cetera. Uh, so I'm, I'm in there a lot posting on my Facebook group. Um, oh, on my website, I have lots of downloads and I have a blog that I post infrequently. So there's tons of help, tons of help. So we have alleysleepcoach.com. Okay. And what's the name of the Facebook group in case people are looking for it? It is Lehigh Valley Sleep Coach Community. Okay. Excellent. We'll put both the website and your Facebook group in the show description down below so that everybody can uh, know where to look and find you. Uh, Angela, thank you so much for your time today. I have greatly enjoyed our, our discussion and uh, would like to encourage uh, anyone listening who is battling with postpartum depression to please take it seriously. Go talk to your doctor and get it addressed. And please, above all else, take care of yourself. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcast FOF, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on Forward.